future of field service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we're going to be talking through another journey of digital transformation. I'm welcoming to the podcast today, two gentlemen from Yotin, uh, Trond Aune, the global ERP manager, and Henning Haugen, the group technical manager for maintenance. Um, Tron, can you give a brief introduction to Yotin and, and introduce yourself? Yes, thank you, Sarah. Um, I am the ERP manager of Jotun, um, and uh, Jotun is one of the largest paint companies in the world. Um, we are producing paints uh, for different purposes, um, and uh, we are into four different segments. One segment is the marine segment, where we are painting uh, ships. Actually, we are painting every fourth ships in the world uh, by with Jotun paint. Another segment is uh, protective and industrial painting, where we're painting large assets of our customers like uh, utility uh, infrastructure, uh, power plants, uh, oil platforms, and so on. The third uh, important segment is what we call the decorative segment. That is more beautification and protection of, of, home, of homes and buildings. And, and the fourth segment is powder where it's actually uh, industrial and, and decorative um, um, protection of steel and wood and, and, and other stuff. So Jotun is uh, a major player within the paint manufacturing, uh, and we actually uh, have a turnover of almost 3 billion US dollars and 10,000 employees uh, globally. Okay, great. And Henning, can you uh, introduce yourself and, and tell folks about your role? Hi, Sarah. Yes, of course. Uh, my uh, role is uh, Group Technical Manager Maintenance. Uh, so my team is in charge of the setting the corporate requirements, uh, guidelines and tools to be used by our uh, maintenance teams across the world. So, um, that's the short introduction. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, excellent. Well, thank you both for being here. Um, I'm excited to to talk through your story. Um, you know, we have companies on the podcast all the time that are um, at some point in their digital transformation journey, right? And so um, we're going to be talking about some of the different aspects of yours today. But but you know, one of the the things that I've learned over time is how critical culture is when you're talking about um, any change and, and using your company culture to really anchor uh, that change, whether that's digital transformation or, you know, a, a change in, in business processes or, or business um, focus, you know, whatever that might be. Uh, and, and Yotin has uh, a really unique um, culture. Uh, it's the penguin culture. So Trond, can you um, start by telling us, you know, a bit about the penguin culture and, and what it means to Yotin, um, how it originated, uh, what the core values are, and how it, it sort of permeates everything that the company does? The penguin culture is uh, in the veins of uh, all employees in Newton. It is, uh, uh, we, as all other companies, of course, we have some core values. For Jotun, uh, that is respect, boldness, loyalty, and care. Uh, that is not unique. Uh, what is maybe more unique is the way we in Jotun actually utilize this. Mm -hmm. 
uh, even though that we have excellent products uh, and we have a, a fantastic infrastructure to produce and distribute those products to our customers, the most important asset we have is our employees. And by using um, uh, the penguin culture, which is uh, which is a kind of a branding of the way we behave to each other, the way we behave to our customers, to suppliers, um, the the thinking we are doing when taking decisions, uh, how we treat the environment, uh, how all all these important aspects when we take decisions every day. Mm-hmm. This is as I said, in the veins of us. And that is actually how we are t- succeeding also. Uh, this has been supported and, and, and um, promoted by uh, the management in the company for so many years. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we really see the benefit of this now. And it's not only some expressions being used uh, um, in, the, in the brochures, it is actually really into the company. Mm-hmm. The penguin is there. Uh, obviously, penguin is uh, an animal, and we relate to it very much. It is uh, it is uh, surviving in very tough conditions. It is a nice animal. It behaves very nice to each other, take care of each other, uh, and obviously, it's a bold creature. Uh, in so so, this is things that fit very well into our thinking, and of course, it's also a great uh, marketing tool, uh, both internally but also externally. And mm-hmm. and Newton has actually got quite well known and almost famous about how we are utilizing this strong, strong business culture. You know, I I, I think that's. It's so interesting to me, um, you know, and and we talked a little bit about this before, Trond, and and I know that um, to you, it's it's more what it means than the visible emblem of it. Um, but but the comment I made is, you know, I can see how having that that visible emblem, that mascot, that brand, you know, um, could be so helpful in reinforcing, you know, the 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 traits that are so important to. The company and really, um, you know, having uh, a way to regularly um, remind employees of the the mission, um, to create a common language around it, uh, and and to create alignment. Um, so, so I, I think it's a, a really interesting point for listeners, you know, just to think about, um, you know, how how do you take the the important traits or characteristics of your culture and and what are some of the ways that you can really um whether it's visually or or otherwise you know permeate that through everything the company does and the way that that yotin has with with the penguin um so so the characteristics respect boldness loyalty and care there's one that stands out to me and it's boldness um, and I love that that's included. Um, and, and I want to talk about some of the ways that boldness is encouraged uh, at Yotin. Can you, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, obviously. Um, Jotun is, uh, has over many years grown organically. Um, and, and we grow uh, in, uh, in areas and countries where uh, which is early in the phase of, of economic development in many cases. It was one of the first companies entering Myanmar 
uh, one of the best first or the western companies after the country open and of course that is boldness mm-hmm. um, uh, we have uh, and, and we use this expression as a boldness in order to show that yes you are allowed to do uh, mistakes obviously mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and that is part of our culture take decision be bold on your decisions be bold on your, on your point of view um, and uh, and that has proven to that openness and that philosophy has proved to be very important for Jotun and actually for Jotun growth uh, mm-hmm. all over we are one of the really fast most fast growing paint companies in in the world mm-hmm. Go ahead. Were you going to say something else? No, that's fine. Okay. Uh, no, I was just going to comment that, that um, you know, I love that that trait is emphasized because I think that, you know, when you talk about, you know, today we're talking about digital transformation. When you talk about any sort of innovation, any sort of growth mindset um, and, and what it takes to be successful there, I think, you know, this emphasis on boldness makes so much sense to me. I think you want you want a company culture where everyone feels empowered to speak up, to share new ideas, to, you know, challenge thinking in an appropriate and respectful way to, um, you know, really that elevates the, the company's, um, mission overall because everyone's contributing. So I just really, I really like that aspect. And I think that, um, you know, as it relates to the topic of, of today's conversation and digital transformation, I think that, um, you know, promoting boldness and giving people an opportunity to, to speak up and weigh in is, is part of what's required to um, successfully manage change, uh, which is, is what we see often as, as the biggest or one of the biggest obstacles when it comes to successful digital transformation is, is you know, change management and adoption and, and, and that sort of thing. And Sarah, there is one more dimension to it, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, Jotun has a very wide geographical uh, footprint. We are into uh, more than 50, 60 countries. And of course, our cul- the, the cultural uh, diversity is so huge. And, and uh, you know, uh, we are European and Americans. We are, we are bold when it comes to actually just speaking out and to... to to show our point of view, but when it comes to other parts of the world, uh, people are more careful. And in mm-hmm. that, that respect, also the boldness uh, thing is very important to give people really the opportunity to to speak out, to come with their view, to, to give their ideas. So, so this is actually more than just a word. It is really an important part of our culture. Yes, that's a really good point. Okay, so so let's shift gears and, and start talking then about the digital transformation journey. Um, so one of the big aspects of that is that Yotin has um, undergone a, a major effort to consolidate disparate ERPs into a global instance of IFS apps, um, which is used in, in more than 50 countries. Uh, so the the overarching objective I, of that I, I guess was to create this single source of truth. Um, so so tell us a little bit about that that project and and some of the the challenges you were looking to overcome and and um, you know what the the goals were there. Yeah, I think that uh, 
when we took that decision back in 2004, that decision maybe was more bold than what we <laughs> expected <laughs> to be because it has proven really to be a challenging uh, journey. Uh, but we are now at the really end uh, of that journey. We are about to complete the last uh, countries of, uh, of rollout of IFS in, in the 50 countries we are into. And, uh, and we need now really see the benefit and we are extremely happy that we started that journey. Obviously, we saw a lot of benefits of having one instance. One thing is the data and the one truth. The other one is, of course, the standardization of processes. To have uh, to, to to do things the same way in all the companies. Uh, third one, of course, was uh, the the huge internal trade we are doing in Norton between all the companies that is now fully automated, which was impossible when all companies have their different uh, solutions. Um, and of course, uh, the fourth one was uh, was the transparency, and actually, to Jotun was growing. Uh, ex ex has been expanding a lot, and it's, there is a course a a need for control also from the corporate side. And all of these things has been fulfilled by the by the one instant setup of, of uh, IFS in, in our uh, group. And, uh, and it's I think it's quite unique uh, to have such a big setup uh, with all the challenges it represents, both from a technical point of view, uh, with uh, access and performance and, 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 and uh, connections, but also on the solution side and on the legal side with all the problems related to, to legal requirements, uh, specific business requirements. Uh, and of course, the standardization of business processes, which, has, which is not only an ERIT project, it's a huge business project actually to implement all this. So this uh, has no, it's not about, it's now about to give, uh, give us really a payback time. Uh, we are going into the payback time for this huge investment and uh, we are really happy to, to have done this journey. Good. So um, you, you touched on this a bit, but let's talk through, um, it's a huge un undertaking, right? To, as you said, not just on the IT side, but on the business side, this, um, you, you know, you, you can summarize it in a couple of minutes, you know, what you've accomplished, but, but it really is um, a, a significant um, undertaking to, you know, consolidate to that degree and to, um, to really bring in that, that um, single source of truth. So talk through, um, I want to talk about two aspects of that. Um, first, you know, let's kind of recap, um, some of the the benefits. Uh, what what have been the major benefits in introducing a single point of truth into the business? Yeah, obviously, uh, consolidated uh, reporting on sales, uh, profitability on customers, on products. Uh, uh, that is a huge benefit. Of course, we have much better control than uh, uh, than if you have a lot of truth. Uh, but I think. Uh, e e even more important is the benefit and the wins we have had when it comes to the uh, internal alignment, uh, because you know the ERP system is not is not only a, a, a transaction system; it is actually a carrier of standard standard business processes, uh, and it is um, it is an um, enabler to to improve your business processes as well and as i mentioned earlier especially on the on the, the 
advanced and complex setup we have when it comes to delivering paints to uh, moving targets as a vessel, a, a big ship is moving. So one day you have to deliver in, uh, in Rotterdam and next month it might be in Singapore and then it might be in Korea the next time. Uh, and of course the complexity of, of handling that kind of, of customers, um, that is uh, the, the global rollout of IFS has really been helpful, uh, helpful of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has also enabled us to start to utilizing not only the core ERP functionality, no, we are also looking into to expanding the utilization of IFS and linking up new uh, modules um, where we actually can see that the one, uh, the one source of truth, the standardized processes, and the one instance and one database is really helpful and might make it much easier to implement uh, new functionality as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, another thing we we talk about a lot um, on this platform, Trond, is, is the importance of setting a strong foundation, you know, which is is what I look at at the ERP um journey as, you know, it's a major undertaking to, to set a strong, consistent, cohesive foundation that then you can build, um, upon with, with your digital transformation journey by adding different functionality and different, uh, technologies and different capabilities. Um, when, when companies, you know, get enamored by um, some of the the sophisticated tools that it exists today without having done those foundational efforts. Um, you, they can make a lot of investments for not right because they don't really have the the basics, you know, solid to be able to to expand on. So that makes sense. Um, before we move on, uh, the other thing I wanted to ask related to to that project. Um, and and the the breadth of experiences that you gained um, through through it is uh, what would you say is the biggest lesson you learned? Um, we had a fantastic support from group management, from top management in the group when we started this project, and that support has been maintained throughout the whole project. And I think that is at least one of the most important key success factors that you have a strong ownership uh, throughout the business uh, from the users up till the top management. Um, so that has been a, an important thing to have with you. Uh, we have also learned that uh, building the competence internally uh, in our company uh, has been important. You, uh, we, we not only uh, implementing implementation of ERP is actually uh, implementation of new business processes and uh, to carry uh, though that learning beyond the project lifetime and into the lifetime of the company that is difficult if you have too many externals so we have actually built a strong team internally to do it that is another learning the biggest frustration and the biggest problem has been on the legal side uh, to implement uh, the legal and to fulfill the legal, legal requirement in countries like Brazil, Russia, India, uh, Vietnam, um, Korea, um, Mexico. It's extremely challenging. 
that has uh, obviously we underestimated that complexity that has caused the project to be more time consuming and more costly than we initially thought um, uh, but we are now happy that we was patient and we carried that through uh, it was times when it was close to give it up uh, <laughs> we didn't do that because of the patient uh, of, uh, of our management our shareholders and uh, and uh, now we have a solid setup in all these countries as well um, and um, many other companies actually give that up and do local installations and if you do that of course you breach the chain of the one truth to breach a chain of this of your supply chain in order to have that as a kind of a one integrated supply chain so mm-hmm. um, so that has been important for us persistence and and dedication okay um can you talk to me next a bit about how yotin is embracing servitization yeah um Traditionally, of course, Jotun has been selling products and we have been good at selling products and we have excellent products to sell. Jotun is a high-end uh, supplier of paints. Uh, we are not competing in the, in, in the low end. We have Our focus is to have high-quality products still uh, and we have been very successful in that. The last few years, of course, we have seen that uh, uh, it has gradually gone from not only selling products, we are also selling some services together with the products. And now we are see they gradually turn into more servitization that our customers don't on, they don't want our products. They want the outcome. Uh, they want us to sell the outcome of what our products can give. Um, and that has, Jotun uh, is, uh, is, has a lot of focus on innovation and our innovation has now also turned into servitization of, uh, and we will still, uh, paint, selling paint will still be the major uh, business, uh, of course. Um, but, uh, but we have examples where we, for example, are offering our customers information and data about uh, uh, climate conditions, uh, sea conditions on how they can how they can plan their routes from A to B in a most efficient way uh, by reducing the resistance on the hull of the ship. Um, mm-hmm. Because we have that data uh, with all the experience we have. We also uh, are going into a more sus- uh, environmental friendly and sustainable approach to this and, and are offering um, uh, products and services which actually clean the hull of a huge ship. Uh, so we are offering both the hardware, the software, the services to clean the hull of the ships and of course reduce the fuel consumption of a ship and uh, increase the profitability for the owners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and of course giving Newton both a environmental uh, putting us in a more environmental-friendly position, but also supporting our customers uh, into the right direction of uh, uh, by not only selling paints, but also adding services and package our products in such a way that it fits into our customers' needs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting to me uh, to, hear, to hear you talk about servitization because I, I guess you know, I talk about it a lot and I realize how pervasive it is. Um, but at the same time, even 
I don't know that I've thought of it as, as something that, you know, a supplier of paint would, would, uh, you know, get into. So it, it's just a really good example of, of exactly how um, important of a trend it is. Um, if we look at, at a specific example, I believe um, one of the ways that you're doing uh, this is in the marine division, right? And and so can you walk us through the example of, of how you track ships and, and then provide this um, uh, service on, on, I believe, sort of a subscription basis? Yeah, what we do is we we actually uh, put sensors uh, on uh, the propeller axles on the huge vessels, and uh, we are monitoring uh, sort of the efficiency of the engine uh, mm-hmm. of the ship, uh, combined with weather conditions, wind, uh, seas, and also the kind of and the climates uh, they are into. Put this uh, a lot of this information together. Um, and then, of course, we are tracking the ships in addition to, uh, as I said, sell sell that kind of information to customers, at least offer that information to customers so that uh, they can improve their profitability as well. Mm-hmm. So that is, that is utilization of data and information mm-hmm. uh, we have, of course. And we are, of course, developing good products uh, to get not only the service, but we are also supporting all of this with uh, good products, improving our products according to the learning we have from this kind of information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Our, our digitalization approach is um, not to be the most fancy and utilize whatever exists of digital tools. We are very focused on doing this uh, either because it serves our customers, um, or because it improve our efficiency, somehow. So we are um, so we are not jumping in all kind of uh, digitalization trends, uh, but we are very focused on those activities we start. Uh, and of course, uh, digitalization is has a very high attention in Jotun these days. That is uh, that is for sure. Good, good. And I think that's a, a really um, smart approach. Uh, so so good. All right. And and Henning, um, I want to talk about another initiative uh, in Jotun's um, digital transformation journey, which is um, a, a proof of concept that you're working on related to predictive maintenance um, in your production line. So so talk to us a bit about the goals of migrating to a predictive approach. Yeah, yes. Uh, to answer that, I think we should uh, go a little bit back into the maintenance journey in the autumn. Um, mm-hmm. Earlier, many of our maintenance organization was often seen as a cost driver, and uh, where the main strategy was uh, reactive maintenance. Um, there was often missing maintenance strategy uh, in how uh, proper maintenance could support efficient operations, both locally and from uh, group. So in uh, 2009, uh, group maintenance was established, uh, and with that, we established a maintenance belt program, uh, like a karate thing, where you need the one level before you can go to the next. Uh, and together with that, we also set up a standalone uh, computerized maintenance management system, um, which was required to be used at all sites except uh, Norway, because they were already uh, in IFS and using uh, plant maintenance module. 
so during this uh, maturing process in maintenance, uh, moving towards uh, 80 20 preventive reactive uh, maintenance uh, ratio, we start to see some of the limitations of the system. Um, and it was because it's separate databases, there's no single source of truth. You need to uh, go into each uh, database if you would like to collect uh, all the data from all the sites. Um, there was no system support or cost control. There um, were no links to other company functions as purchase and things like that. So it's a complete standalone system. So uh, second half in 2018, we started to set up a global uh, solution for the plant maintenance module. Uh, using the experience from our Norwegian factory as a basis. And uh, planned a rollout to 25 factories approximately uh, from second half to 2019 uh, to end 2020. But as uh, everybody knows, uh, during that period, uh, we had COVID uh, happen, happening. <laughs> and uh, of course, that put a efficient stop to our uh, on-site training. Uh, so we had uh, to take one step backward and uh, think, okay, what, what should we do now? Um, what kind of options do we have? So we were thinking, okay, we need to do some, something online and uh, we moved all uh, training uh, to Teams. Um, we did some piloting to ensure that we got the quality we wanted. Uh, so uh, we have uh, had a small delay of two months, but uh, two, two months delay in a plan that was made uh, two years back uh, involving uh, uh, actually several, uh, several hundred people in uh, total. Uh, I think it will be quite reasonably good even without uh, COVID. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we are, we are still... Uh, <laughs> Very satisfied with that uh, process. Um, so until now, we have actually been very focused on uh, preventive maintenance uh, by uh, time-based maintenance. Um, but uh, last autumn, we were uh, introduced for uh, this project and uh, um, moving more towards uh, condition-based or predictive maintenance. Uh, as think uh, time-based maintenance is the most cost-efficient way to run maintenance, uh, as we probably are uh, over-maintaining or under-maintaining the equipment, uh, because it's difficult to cope with the variations we have in, uh, have in production volume or product, product types, uh, and the real part lifetime and uh, things like that. Um, for us, it has been uh, the next natural step now. It has to be to look into condition-based functionality and uh, predictive maintenance uh, uh, opportunities. Mm -hmm. okay. So by that, yeah, so by that we expect actually to reduce the maintenance costs and uh, maintain or increase equipment reliability and uh, uptime, um, and also release more time for our technicians and spend more time on uh, value-adding tasks. Uh, less manual data logging and find new monitoring methods to increase equipment reliability. Okay. Okay. So you're you're working on shifting from maintenance which is done at time intervals to maintenance that is provided um, as needed based on predictive analytics. Yeah. 
Okay. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, and, and Henning, how will the addition of predictive maintenance capabilities help you um, when it comes to building on the success of Yoten's partnership with IFS? So, so building on that, that foundation that Yoten has created with, with the ERP project. For us, it's a great motivation uh, boost to join a project like this. <laughs> I think it will push our organization to look into more functionality and uh, make us able to take better decisions and uh, be more efficient. Then we can utilize and handle the huge amount of data that is actually created by the equipment and the systems much faster. Uh, trying to manually handle and analyze, analyze all this data uh, to get something useful out of it is uh, very resource demanding. And, uh, and uh, now it's only done sporadic sporadically when we have time to do it. Uh, and we are often too late to implement required changes. So if we can have some more automated process into the system and giving us uh, triggering a task when it's needed uh, due to the conditions on the equipment or uh, predicted by the system, that will help us a lot. Um, so for us, it's uh, interesting and uh, motivating to work uh, together with IFS uh, on this, to be in the forefront and develop new functionality and tools here. So, so we will be invited for future projects as well. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, Henning, I think it's uh, fair to say that uh, um, uh, utilizing uh, an, uh, new technology like this, both machine learning and Internet of Things into our maintenance processes to ident identify and capture and analyze data, uh, utilizing that to be better in the preventive maintenance has been a really a, a nice and exciting journey for us and it has been a, fun, a really a good uh, cooperation with IFS uh, in that respect. Uh, this, uh, to be honest, this is tools and areas which we probably not have been uh, gone into without uh, IFS uh, supporting us and helping us into, uh, into those areas. Uh, as I said initially, we are a little bit laggards when it when it comes to utilizing the the forefront technology in, in that that respect. Uh, but we are really happy that we have uh, that we that we have got that opportunity. We really think that that will help us in developing the, the our maintenance process and and hopefully reduce maintenance cost over time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think we are jumping into this uh, much faster than we would have done uh, if we were, if this project was initiated by us. So <laughs> very good. Yeah, I was actually Trond. I was going to come back and ask. You know, you had said um, just a bit ago that that Yotin is is quite. Um, uh, what's the right word? Um, you know, you 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 take these projects seriously and, and you don't just dive into every, every technology that's out there. Um, so I, you know, I was going to ask what about uh, the, the opportunities of, of predictive capabilities, you know, made you say yes to, to adding that. Um, so it sounds like part of it is the, the relationship and the history um, with IFS. And then part of it is, is driven by the ability to, um, to really improve efficiency, right? 
Yeah, but it's also a little bit back to the sort of our approach to to to, to digitalization. We we really need to see the benefits of it, and and obviously being in the middle of the implementation of the maintenance module of IFS and starting to see some opportunities, but then boosting that uh, with uh, the machine learning, Internet of Things uh, part of it, and get that uh, that really gave a, a boost effect to, to the whole project. So at least that is what we believe it will do. We have not finalized it yet. Uh, so uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it's just confirmed the way we are thinking around digitalization. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, and, and, you know, we know that that digital transformation is is an ongoing journey, right? It's it's more of a um, you know a path of continual evolution than it is sort of crossing uh, a finish line. So, um, you know, you you have uh, this this predictive um, project in the works, um, and you know you you evaluate new um, technologies and capabilities um, quite carefully. Um, what is the the thought process, I guess, overall uh, at Yotin on this this sort of continual evolution when it comes to digital transformation? Uh, I I think I touched into it a little bit earlier as well. Um, uh, we are uh, uh, in some aspects. I mean, uh, Yotun was one of the first companies in the world to start to tint paints in the shops uh, now you go and go into a paint shops and you get uh, you you pick exactly the color you want you can choose mm-hmm. an infinite number of colors if going 40 50 years back you had maybe 25 colors to choose between Newton was one of the first companies in the world to implement tinting technology in the shops um, another example is that Newton was uh, one of the first uh, uh, had the most advanced automated warehouse uh, when we built a new factory. That was, I think, in the 80s. Um, 1977, I think. 1977, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that, is, uh, that is examples where we uh, uh, really are in the forefront, where we, re- where we see the benefits of it. Uh, uh, when it comes to... When it comes to uh, um, uh, the digital digital trend of digitalizing everything in your business. I think we are not in the forefront. We are sort of the, in the middle. Uh, but when we saw, for example, the way uh, what we have introduced now, the way to offer a solution for us, our customers to, to clean the hull of our ship, that is the groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and uh, so that is the way you're thinking. We pick our important areas where we, which make us unique. Um, and that is what we have done uh, several times when it comes to, to digitalization. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is our customers and it's uh, the efficiency and the profitability and the growth, which is important for us. And, there, and so I think that is short and sweet, our approach to digitalization. But of course, we are doing digitalization every time and we are implementing e-invoice and uh, online services and uh, uh, all that kind of stuff is of course hitting us as well and we are doing that together with all the other companies around the world. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Henning, anything to add? 
Oh, I think uh, Trond has brought it up uh, very well, but of course, uh, yes, we select areas where we have uh, expect high effect and uh, likelihood of uh, success, of course. Um, I think that's important. Um, if you are going to jump into all the new trends of digital transformations or other uh, business uh, methods, I think uh, rather this system will run. We will be run by these systems uh, rather than we are running the systems. So. Right. But what, what, we do, what we do see though, Sarah, is that obviously uh, the capability to collect data, the capability to present and analyze data with tools like Power BI, for example, has really also boosted the digitalization over the processes because we see now the really the possibility those kind of tools gives us to be to improve in in all respects so that mm -hmm. is also an important part of it mm -hmm. you know going back to how we started this conversation with the the penguin culture um it's a really well balanced approach you know you you as a company you're very bold where you need to be and where you've proven it to be beneficial um, but you're pragmatic and grounded in not feeling the need to dive into areas that are outside of your expertise or to try things that, that you don't know um, will bring a strong benefit to the company. So it's a really well-balanced approach because I wouldn't, you know, you're not a laggard. You're not, you're not ultra conservative. You're bold where you need to be, but you're smart about where you choose to, to apply that. So I think it's... Um, a good lesson for for anyone listening, you know, to to think about that. Um, so very good. I appreciate you both um, sharing your time with us today. It's been a pleasure hearing Jotun's story and and talking with both of you. It's a pleasure to share as well. So and thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you very much. You can you can learn more by visiting us at uh, futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn as well as Twitter at the Future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS service management by visiting www.ifs.com. As always, thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.